You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Page, when they mention Rabbeinu Yona, they don't ascribe this book, which is Drushos on the whole Torah to him. It seems that there is a, 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 a debate among scholars whether this book uh, is truly from Rabbeinu Yona or not. The piece that I'm going to do with you, uh, I was able to ascertain that there are sections of it that find parallels almost word for word in other Sfarim that were written by Rabbeinu Yona. So for the purposes of this class, at least from what I've been able to determine and the editor of Shmuel Yershalmi, uh, I'm going to assume this is Rabbeinu Yona. And if it is, it allows us to really open up Rabbeinu Yona uh, beyond what most people believe about it. Not just his parish on Ovos and his parish on Mishle and the Sefer Shari Tshuva and some of the Sfarim that were written by his Talmidim on Shas and, 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 and Baba Basra and Brochos and Avodah Zarah, but we actually have quite a large amount of material on Chumash. So let me show you what he says here. He says, there's a bris in Parshas Lech Lecha. And that one has 13 brisos. The Torah has three. Mila has 13. Laharos Gdulas Hamila. That shows you how great Mila is. Mila is great even based on the simple understanding of what it is. Milvad Hasod Hanifla Asherbo. So here's Rabbeinu Yona checking his bets here. There is a sod. He's not going to tell us the sod. There is a Kabbalistic, that's what you would seem. There's some sort of sod, amazing sod about circumcising, cutting the foreskin off of the male child. But there's something you don't need to even go into the sod. So Rabbeinu Yona is telling us there is a sod. What's the pshat? Basically, it's showing you a, a seal in your flesh that a person cannot get rid of. And we know at the time of the, 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 the Yavanim, they tried to. But generally, you cannot get rid of it. Ubo nikar shahu evet Hashem. So it's something that is like a, an Eved has a brand. Chazal say that Dovin HaMelech, when he was in the Merachats, felt, how do I know that I'm something? I don't have any, I can't do any mitzvahs here. The Brismila reminded him. That's what he said. Look how great meal is. It's there when not, it's so essential. It, even in a place where you can't do any other mitzvahs, you can't daven or learn. When you don't have any clothes on, this is 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 is, is deep and essential to you. That's what brismila is. That's what it means. What? Why is man shalem with mila? Rabbi Yonah says. Why is that shlemus? Because he says hazos tishlam avodoso. His avoda is going to be sholem, because unlike other mitzvos that need, and you need to be out of Amerikats to do, you need to be able to have a certain day of the calendar to shake the lulav, or a certain time of the day to, to or a goof nucky to put on tefillin. This is a mitzvah that you're tumim in. You are complete in it because it's so much a part of you, because it's a mitzvah in your goof. That's why it's called tmimus. It's called Tamimus because you can't shake it. Because whether you like it or not, this is the sign of you being an Eved, Hashem. So that's why Avram was told, Hayei Tamim, at the very beginning of the parsha. Again, just like the Rambam and like Rashi's second shot rejecting, you know, the Nitzib's shouts that that's not the shot. Rabbeinu Yonah is saying that is what Tamim means. Tamim means with Brismila. And the reason is because it's Biguf. That's why you're Tamim with Brismila. 
That's one pshat of Tamim. Oh, what is, what is Vehiye Tamim? How do you become Tamim, complete and Sholem, by having a bris? So he says, Ki brias ha'orla ba'odam nivreit k'day wazakos es Yisrael. It was there to give us a job to do. It was there because it was there to give us the schus to get rid of it. In other words, God gave us this appendage, this extra foreskin to say you're not finished. This is like the unfinished product. You're not yet complete. By getting rid of it, means do this, now your bodies are the way they should be. Now, why, what does that mean? You know, God created us with this extra, this extra stuff, which means there's something that really shouldn't be here. Because it happens to be something extra in the sexual organ, Himum. That itself is something which is not just extra flesh, it's actually something that is a problem. Of course it's a mum, because there's no greater mum, maybe not in the body, but in the nefesh, from the fact that he's rodef, achar taivas aguf. Eating and drinking, but maybe mostly uh, sexual desires that are centered in that spot. So having it there means you are sort of like a a a a a, uh, a bacchanalian hedonist, uh, an, uh, like a like like a human that's that's after just eating and drinking and sex. And by getting rid of that extra part of your flesh, by doing that, what does that do? Well, it's a symbolic act that you know happened to you when you were a child. And you do it to your children. By doing that act, Rabbi Yonah says... That's presenting the idea, since it's happening and you're doing it to sort of like uh, the part of your body that, 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 that expresses that sexual energy, that's sort of like the seed of your, uh, literally and uh, literally, of your, of your ideas of sexuality by, by, by acting upon that. So that teaches you a lesson that that we should really try to curb everything that seems to be too much that we're born with. Sarbanes Mimus is, although it's counterintuitive, in other words, cut this off. You know, usually Tummin means add something to yourself, right? Add something to yourself. You're missing something, right? So, so what Rabbi Yonah is saying is we're missing it because God sort of left us unfinished. God gave us like this, this, you know, this, this, these energies and these connections, which are too much really for a true servant of God to be able to contain. So it's, it, he, he, I don't believe in this piece. He's saying that by, 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 taking off the foreskin you have you you have changed yourself but by knowing how crucial that is it's a symbolic lesson to to constantly bring to control yourself in all areas connected to sensuality and therefore this that that we were in a way like he says it's there to give us the schus to be a, a, a microcosm of what, our, ser- what our, our, our service towards God needs to be throughout our life. 
which is to remove ourselves and to weaken those natural tendencies and to direct ourselves to God. Then we are tamim. We are tamim spiritually, right? It's not because we have it in our flesh, which is the first shot of tamim. It's that it's it, it, this action, because it's so uh, crucial and because it's so staringly obvious in a place that we all are aware of, and what, it, what, what and the message that it sends is to to uh, in, to exhibit restraint, and that restraint, of course, is in a way the whole work of what man has to be, and that is in a sense why Mila is Tmimus, according to Rabbeinu Yona. Now, Doctor, uh, I'll get to you. The bris occurs between you and me. I'll be your God, and, and, and I will be a God for you, which means, and, and, and to your children afterwards, hadveikus, meaning it's more than just subservience. In other words, what, it goes beyond total fealty and self-control and aesthetic and asceticism. And, 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 and controlling your desires. It goes more than that. The Torah, by mentioning, I will be the God for you, and I will be a God for you. What does it mean I'm going to be a God to you? That means we have a personal connection. That's dveikus. I share yilachem. And here Rabbeinu Yonah says, the shechina, the, the, the inner dwelling power, presence of God that permeates everything, we feel connected to that. We aren't just travelers on the planet, but we actually feel dovek to the Shekhinah power. And that is itself what sort of nochlim, we sort of are taken almost like a nacha, where we get olam haba with that. And then he says, and it sounds like it also is the key to get Eretz Yisrael, so then Rabbeinu Yonah turns to, he breaks the fourth wall and he turns to the reader of his time, of the, of the, uh, of the 13th century. He says, I know what you're saying. If we've been keeping bris milah the way we've been keeping it, and it's the mitzvah that we haven't let loose, we haven't let go of, unlike Tfilin and other mitzvahs that the Spaniards were sort of like dismissive of and didn't keep in the same way. You know, brismila, true, there were the conversos and others that couldn't have a brismila, but there was, they were always pained about it. People had given up their lives for it. It was something that, that, that we find through the Midrashic literature and throughout the time of the Rishonim, that it was something that we, we held on to. But, but as Rabbeinion is saying, the fact that we are still connected to brismila, we are, in a way, still the owners of the land of Israel. We don't have it. We're going to get it back. As we know, it learns in Parshas Bahar. What does it say in Parshas Bahar? It says, that when, when your brother becomes poor and he sells his achuza, okay, when Yovel comes, so he goes back to his achuza. So Rabbi Yonah says it's funny. For 40 years, he didn't have it. Achuza means something that you, like from the word ochez, that you're holding on to, right? He goes back to it. How does he go back to it? Because he's still holding on to it. Even when he sells it and someone else has it, we know, just like when Yovel comes, he comes back or his children come back and they get the, the land that was meant for them, that was part of their family, and they knew that it was just a temporary lease on that land, and they knew they were getting it back at Yovel, and the Pusik even says that. He's been it the whole time, and he just, he just physically wasn't there. So it, he, he wasn't there, but he was in it. He's connected to it, even though he physically isn't there. That's the way we have to treat Eretz Yisrael based on the Pusik and Parchas Lechlochol due to the fact that we've been keeping bris milah. Just like when it comes to selling the Yove land. It's still called achuzoso. Doesn't, right? Vyotza vishov to the thing that he's always been having the whole time, even though he physically wasn't there. 
And we know, Bezu Avtochon, Muftochon, Epimosha, Ovashovam, Kishsof, Shiyoshev, Adonai, Shfusainu, Vienu, Yartzainu. We know God, Moshe promised to us, as us, in Sefer Dvarim, that we're going back, that God is returning to us, no matter how, where we are, whether we're in Gerona, whether we're in, uh, in, in, in Greenville, North Carolina, or in Greenland, or, uh, or, 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 or Tierra del Fuego, wherever we are, God is bringing us back to the land that, you, that uh, you, we inherited. And Rabbeinu Yon is saying here in the, fir- the end of his first part of the essay on Mila, that Mila valshaves it. And don't think the fact that we've been keeping Bris Mila and we don't have Eretz Yisrael is a kasha. We really do have Eretz Yisrael now. We don't technically control it. It's not biadenu, but it's still our achuza, 100%. Uh, Dr. Kogan, you had a point. Uh, well, like Rabbeinu Bachia and others, uh, it seemed to have been a standard approach for the Darshanim to begin their drasha from a Pasuk and Mishle. And when I checked Rabbeinu Yonah's uh, which everybody accepts his commentary on Mishle, I found a lot of elements of, of these expositions in that same book. So this corroborates the uh, editor's opinion that this is Rabbeinu Yonah. This is the Pasuk in Mishle that is the theme for Parshas Vayero. Eishas Chain, a woman of Chain, Titmoch Kavod, supports the idea of Kavod. She is a supporter of Kavod, Va'aritzim, but these people that are into just power and pushing people around and bullying, what they try to push, their control, Yitmuchu, what they try to support and keep as a, as a very important principle is wealth, is Osher. Okay, that's that Pasuk. So Rabbeinu Yona goes into many interpretations of that Pasuk. Till he finally gets to the one that is relevant to Avram, uh, as we're going to see. So here it is. Now, Eishaschein Titmoch Kavod is Avram. He's, in a way, Eishas Chaim. Now, how is he Eishas Chaim? Ki ha'odam nivra ba'olam hazeh, Rabbi Neonis says, v'yos nivdal mishar ba'le chayim b'seichel asher bo. We know man is unique from all other creatures because of the seichel that's given him. Ki shar ha'kochos v'hem ha'nefesh ha'mesaveh v'hanefesh ha'chiyunis nimsim gam mishar ba'le chayim. We know that this aspect that you desire, procreation, to eat, those things are found in the animal world. The idea to continue to live, that you, want to, to, that you won't die, that, that the force of life, that you find in other living things. When those nefashos are, are in a way bound to the other nefesh, the nefesh, that's the nefesh of intellectual abstract thought, the thing that makes man unique. In a way, they are subservient and listen to what that aspect wants. That will happen. How does that happen? that you have a person who is an ultimate intellectual, that the other parts of him are subservient. That happens based on the body that you're given. The body that you're born with and its proclivities. That's called Eishas Chaim. That's called the Eisha, the woman. The Chomer is called the woman of Chaim. Why? Because the body, 
the body and its energies that are there to hold the nefesh. And remember, there's the nefesh chayuni, the nefesh hamesave, the nefesh hasichli are inserted, and this is all a medieval construct, are inserted into the chomer, which is the isha. So, they're ready to get the hashpa of the higher nefesh that a human has, the one that can think. To be ready to follow its advice and its instruction, what it desires. Just like a woman is omedes. Just like, again, this is a very much a medieval way of looking at the relationship between man and woman, that women, the good wife is there to, to, to accept the hashba of her husband and to do what he directs. That's what Shlomo, throughout Sefer Mishlei, always speaks about. He says, Isha. What does he mean, Isha? What does what Shlomo mean by saying a woman? That's the chomer. That's the body and its proclivities that, 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 that we have, right? What Cat Stevens said. Oh, my body, it's been a good friend. Right? That's the body that you have, right? That's, that's miles from nowhere from Cat Stevens. That's the body. That body is the chomer. It's, you need it. You can't survive in the world without that. That's the Aisha's chayim. That's the Aisha Schayel that we sing on Friday night. That's Romano Yonah's interpretation of what Aisha Schayel is, the Chomer. And sometimes you have the bad wife or the, the Isha Xilis, right? Or the Zona. So that Pusik in Mishle refers to Avram because his kochos were ready to be Makabal Chochma Vahasechel Vahamada because Avram had an Aisha Schayel. He happened to be born with the type of personality, proclivity, the type of body that he had was ready, was tailor-made for the intellectual mind of Avram. And that was Tomech, Titmoch. It was supportive completely of that pure nefesh maskelis that every living being has. But not everyone can tease it out. It was it was it was umuchenes and by being such a great body that God granted Avram, so what happened was it was more than just the seicha, it was also the koach hanavua, that's what allowed Avram to become a navi. Because that power that God breathed into of the nefesh maskelet is really the linchpin and the and the and the step the stepping stone towards the power of prophecy of direct messages from God of what you should do. And that's why it says, What does it mean, glory? What does it mean, honor? The greatest honor that the body can be is that it's a repository for Ruach HaKodesh. That's what we believe, the Baal Shem Tov and the other tzaddikim, that, they, that these people were Baal Ruach HaKodesh. Ki HaNefesh. Nikras Kavod. That's why I say Ura Kavodi. And that's Ruach HaKodesh and Nevua. The Neshama is called Kavod. Ruach HaKodesh is called Kavod. L'chein Zoha ki afilu bi'yoso zokein bein me'yashana because we saw that he was already a hundred. He'd lived a tremendous amount already. And they told him shiyamo atzmo when Avram did the Milo, he did it without any question, at a hundred, despite the pain and everything else. And what happens? He gets the Shekhinah. Remember how we saw in the previous page that, that you get Dveikus to God? Well, that occurs to Avram in Parshas Vayera because the Shekhinah appears to Avram in the very beginning of the Parsha. Now, Rashi says it's to be what? It's to, it's to make him feel good, right? It's to, we learn out the mitzvah of, of Biker Cholim. That's not Rabbeinu Yonah says. Rabbeinu says, remember, this is, this, is, this is now a pay-in on what the promise of what Brismil was about. 
It's about, I will be your God. I will be connected to you. I will, you will have dveikus. Remember? Here's the dveikus that happened right away. Because three days later, Avram Avinu, what is he doing? He says, he wasn't trying to sit there saying, come God, reveal yourself to me. That's not what was going on. He was walking in the trees. He was walking in the shade. Why? Because we know Shemobo, that he had just, that he had done the bris. That's why it says Ilone Mamre, because that's where we knew it happened. He was right in the, in the area right after the bris occurred. He's trying to get out of the heat. Look, you had an operation. The heat is terrible. I need to get some wind. I need to get some fresh air. I'm sick. So God reveals himself to him. This was a a, a merit badge. This is for Avram to know. You did it. You are. God, you know, Avram, you, you did what I asked. This is what Mila was supposed to accomplish. You did it. Uh, you, you, you fulfilled everything. You, you did it correct. And commotion Emar, where do we see something similar to that? We see by the day that the Shechina came down, when the Mishkan was erected, that, that, that second year in the Midbar, what does it say? It says that after our own did his carbon, came out of the Oel Moed, he gave and gave a bracha. Why? He was telling them, Aaron, the fire came down. The Shechina was here. When Aaron gave that bracha, when the fire came down, there was no message other than Dveikus is achieved. Houston, the eagle has landed. It happened. Shechina is connected. It, it occurred. There's Gilead Shechina to you. There doesn't need to be any speech. Because when the Shechina came down on that first of Nisan, in the second year, it's not like God came down and said, I am God. No, there was just the fact that there was God's presence. That's all you need. You don't need any word of, of speech. You don't need any word saying nothing. There's no message. But the Tveikas is there. V'chein b'riazos. That's what happens to Avram in the beginning of Parsha Selech. What happens to Avram? There's nothing. love. God is there. Is he saying anything? No. Is he saying, I hope you feel better? No. But he felt God. He felt that God was with him. He understood that God was there. That's all you need. And that itself was the realization that bris Mila was a success. So that is Rabbeinu Yonah on the Parsha, last week and this week, giving us his perspective of, 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 of what bris Mila is. The Rabag um, dedicates most of his um, uh, ideas about Brismila in Parsha Sazria. And why he uses Parsha Sazria as the place to do this and not Parsha Selechlecha, I'll try to explain in a couple of minutes. But basically, what he says is that what is the Toelis in this mitzvah? He says there's, it's important to see that there is a mitzvah to. Give your son a bris on the eighth day. Hine hato eles bezos ha mitzvah, who kamo shezocher harav hamore. I am going to follow the Rambam. Lahachlish koach haever ahu. Somehow that weakens the strength of that organ. 
שלא יימשך האדם אל זה הפועל המגונה אם לא לקי המאמין. Which means that you won't, since it's, it doesn't, since it's weakened, you won't try to be involved in this disgusting act, this ugly act, this, this lowness of what a human being is, unless what you're trying to do is just procreate. Because anyone who gets too much involved in wanting to have sex all the time can never become a philosopher. How could you ever become an intellectual if you're getting so much pleasure, you know, just having a good time, having sex? Because you're, you're so connected to it because it works so well and it's able to give you such uh, happiness or whatever it is, so you're not going to work on yourself. And you're so just involved in that. You know this just from reality, that the uncircumcised is a different feeling than the circumcised. Again, quoting a Pesach in Mishle, The guy that just wants to have sex with, the, with, with a married woman, he's obviously missing something in his heart, in his mind, not because he's, sle- he's been an adulterer, but because he's just ruined. Where's his brain? He's so, his energies are so contained only in, in this area that he's not going to be using it to, to think and become a thinker and, and, and someone who cares, building up his neshama. Now, Obviously, the Torah doesn't want to weaken it in a way that you are completely disinterested in it. Right? Now, right? Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? With other animals. Right? Um, does that mean not to have relations with other animals? I don't think that's what he means. Um, now, um, I think what he means that, and, and again, you have to look at the Rambam to know what he means. I think what he means is, the Ralbag, is that God wants us to stay away from involvement in sexual activity, even when it means farming and, 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 and raising other animals. The, um, this is based on the Rambam's interpretation of why you're not allowed to um, uh, interbreed animals that are of different species. That's why it's called interbreeding. Thank you. The reason is, is because since they don't come to it naturally, what you're going to end up doing is forcing the sex of one on the other. So even though you're not involved in it, you're not the sexual actor, but you you are trying to promote it among these animals. Now, obviously, if it's, if it's within the breed, then you hope it's going to occur naturally. You're not going to have to strap down the animal. That's the Rambam in Moranavuchim, and I think that's what he means here. In other words, Mila, the idea behind Bris Mila is also the reason why the reason why you can't, uh, according to the Rambam, uh, even have a, 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 these two animals working together is because it might lead you to want to mate two different types of animals. And it's not that somehow God is against the creation of some new type of animal, the way the Ramban learns, 
that you know you we are supposed to leave the bria alone that the bria is shalem that we're not supposed to try to create new types of creatures it's because creating new types of creatures is going to get us involved in in in, in watching them and have sex and that is something which the torah wants to uh, us to move away from that is again all of that is really he's cribbing it from the moranavuchim um He then explains why it's on the eighth day. Because he's strong enough that it won't be a terrible hurt that would have happened on the first day. That's one reason. In other words, it's the eighth day because there's enough strength there that it's not going to be kosher ma'od that he's getting cut. So it's just strong enough that it won't be too dangerous. And also, this is also cribbed out of the Rambam, I believe. Im sha'oz lo ischazcha ma'od ha'ava dimyonis bein horu bonov, beino. In other words, he's sort of like a, a, a piece of unformed like, like a, okay, the baby's cute. Okay, but he's not really as cute as he's going to be in a month from now. So at least by this time, you don't, he's not formed enough for you to sort of create this uh, imaginatory, uh, sympathetic connection to him that you wouldn't want him to have the bris. So God knew that it was still early enough that you're not going to have this Ava Hadimionos because otherwise it would be very hard for God to command the children, the, the parents to submit to the bris milo because they feel some, such great love for this child, which he's calling Ava Dimionos, right? It's obviously something, you know, we, we create, oh, this is our baby. We made him. Isn't he beautiful? Isn't he cute? Look at his cute toes. Look at his nose. All of that stuff is stuff that we sort of convince ourselves. It wouldn't be our own children. Yeah, we would say, oh, that's an ugly baby, right? But, but since it's ours and we have it for so many days, we know the, psychologically we start connecting to it. And therefore the mitzvah kicks in before that's too overwhelming. And therefore God put it at the right time that he knew people would want to fulfill it. Obviously, if the mitzvah would come when he would become 13, like it was for Yishmael, in other words, if this would be like normal mitzvahs, that when you're 13 years old, you have to do all these mitzvahs, right? right? Everything else, you have to get a bris, right? You're 13, okay, son, you have to submit. It wouldn't have happened. Kids would rebel. Kids wouldn't want it. And therefore, since God wants it to happen, for the reasons he explained above, God made sure to insert it at that young age. Because even though we have people like Dr. Kogan here saying that and other Russian Jews who submitted to it at, at a much older age, we know that as a grand scheme, it would not have worked if, if that would have been the time for the mitzvah. All of that is um, basically cribbed out of the Rambam. Um, but then he mentioned something else. There's another thing about it. Not the fact, the way the Rabbeinu Yonah said it, that it's a sign when you look at it that you're an Evid. No, it's a sign of commonality to the group. Now, women don't have it, it's another question. But the idea here is that when you know that you have this sign and others have it, that creates a bond for God because you know you're part of a community. Because when you know there's other people around that have it, 
And the proof is that when they go into the mikvah, you see that they all have a bris milah. That is that itself is enough to strengthen you. The fact that you know that you're with everybody else together. So those are the reasons that the Raubag essentially uh, takes from the Rambam. Now, he, 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 and I think because he was somewhat uh, pushed for time, uh, although I, I, you know, he goes on here at great length, I want to show you the Rambam inside and, and sort of uh, re- reflect a little bit about what we've been hearing from others tonight. This, what you have in front of you is the Arabic and Hebrew versions of the Moranabuchim side by side, translated by Rabbi Yosef Kapach. On the left is the Arabic, on the right is the Hebrew. The Rambam wrote the Arabic, as you can see, in Hebrew letters as well. It was, he wrote the Sefer, the original that we have in manuscript, is in Hebrew lettering, spelling out words in Arabic. So here it is. Um, As the Raubag quoted him, it's Hachloshos Ha'ever Azeh, Kedei Sheyemait Bepu'ulazu. Yes, it makes you be less involved as much as possible. That is the Rambam's opinion for many mitzvahs, that as we saw before, he is an enemy to this part of your life. And he feels it needs to be constrained and as limited as possible. Remember, that sort of sounds a little like Rabbeinu Yona. Some think that this is the Shlemus, that there's something missing in the world. That, in other words, and there are Midrashim that seem to say that, Rabbeinu Yona seems to have been influenced by that idea. Remember, that was the first thing. He says, man, you've got the world's chaser. You've got to do this to sort of show you that this is how we add to the world by taking off the Arla, indicating that's our job, the world, he says, don't say it that way. He says, Do you think there's anything missing in the physical world? The Rambam says, the world was perfect. There's nothing missing in the physical world that they needed human beings to be God's partners in fixing it. The physical world that God created is missing nothing. The idea that the Medrash and Rabbeinu sort of distills is that this is our part and God made it in order for us to, to show that we're partners in this way. That's not true. And the, and, and the proof is we know that from a physiological standpoint, like the intactors, right, Bob? It's good for the it's good for the for the for the penis to have the foreskin. It's not that the something's wrong. In fact, that's the best way for 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 that shaft to be. The, the fact is that people have to work on their midos, and most people's midos are not good. Now. As the Rambam says, this nezek that happens is what we want. The other translations have the word sar, not the word nezek, but the pain. That the pain that, that happens. And I, I don't know if I have time to, to elaborate on that. But he says, don't worry. It doesn't hurt at all. It doesn't affect the capability to procreate. You can still procreate. You can still be a man. But you won't have the lehitut. You won't have the, uh, the extreme desire, which, are, which is, which is mufrazim. You don't have this exaggerated, over-the-top desire of what you need. Now, why? So here's the part that's rated PG-13 or rated R. This is the part Raubag didn't write, and maybe because he was more prudish than the Rambam. He just says, you know it from the body, that you don't have the same sexual feeling. It's mametes koa chakishui. 
the erection is not as powerful. It doesn't last as long. It's not as firm. It's not as strong. It doesn't last as long once you have the circumcision. The ifshar may be the sex act, the Ramam didn't know because he was circumcised, but what he understood was that the uncircumcised person has more pleasure because of that. Because of the pleasure he's giving and because of the feeling that he's having during that act by being able to, uh, to sustain the erection longer and stronger, so he feels a lot more pleasure but once you actually do a little bit of an operation and get blood out of it, and you get rid of that, that foreskin, that shield that's there from the, from the point of where it begins, there's no doubt, there's no doubt that it's not going to be the same. And he brings Chazal for it. They couldn't get Dina to leave. Dina, who was the Tzadikas, who was the daughter of, of Yaakov Avinu, the type of sex she was having with this uncircumcised guy was, was so incredible. And therefore, if you know the person, the Chazal is saying, because she wants it. The, the woman who's had it in this way, it's a, it's a more, because he can, he's stronger and because he's more into it, she's more into it. And because of that, she's actually pleasured more because of his ability to sustain himself more and not ejaculate prematurely. And therefore he enjoys it more, she enjoys it more. And that's the reason why Dina didn't want to leave. He says, "Vizehu I think this is probably the major reason for Brismila. But who's the symbol of this act? You would assume it should be like Asaph, right? It should be like it should be like uh, you know the Brad Pitt or the whoever it is of the day. It should be the Don Juan, the Casanova." But we actually want the one who, who begins this to be Avram. Asher nisparshem Avram is the one who was least involved in sex. How do we know that? He had a child, but we know Chazal learned it out from what Chazal learned it out from the first words Avram mentions. The very first words of dialogue that Avram puts on the table is he ne no yadati. That's the first words that we hear out of Avram's mouth that the narrator God allows us to hear. And what do those words tell us? Those words tell us that the, despite the fact that Sarah was a raging beauty that everybody was going nuts about, he never really understood that. He nay, now I see that you're a Yefei Mara'at. But he wasn't into looks, and therefore, seemingly, he was a person that was not into that aspect of sexuality. Similar to what Rabbeinu Yon, I guess, was saying, was because he had such a great neshama. But Avram is sort of the symbol of the most sonua. And therefore, despite the fact that he was 100 years old, we want him to be the sign of the bris. Because in a way, he doesn't even need it. Right? He's the one who was that even without the bris, but therefore he's the guy that could be the spokesman for it. It's not like the guy who, who's, you know, uh, you know, I was a drunk nut before I joined that. Now, right? God actually worked the other way. He found the person counterintuitively who was the least connected in order for it to be his life, that he's the one who is, 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 is he's the huckster, not the huckster, he's the symbol of the commercial for Mila. Then he says, and that's the fact that we're all together as one big unit. Um, and, and, and we know we're not with the Goyim together, we're all the same, right? And he says that we know when we know there are people that are like us, so we're all with the same Os Echad, so that's, that's what Bris does. 
it, it creates a, a tremendous unity. Of course, it means we're not just part of a club. We all believe in God together. But the fact that we are all together allows us a greater a, a ability to, to share that belief uh, with our friends and to strengthen it within ourselves. And he says, I think this is also important. It might even be um, even a more important reason than the first one. Again, the Rambam is very careful the way he writes here. He starts off saying that, that this is the reason that I think God wanted it. But then he says, maybe this one is even more choshev than the first one. Although I think he knows that there could have been other signs for that. I think that's why he sort of is hedging his bets on it, on both of those. So there is the, um, as you see, I think uh, a, a, a very stark difference between, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of walking in the same area, walking in the same ground. But I think you see a, a marked contrast, especially in the physicality and the graphic aspect of it. I, I think Rabbeinu Yonah is sort of, in a way, trying to have the Rambam's cake without necessarily submitting to, you know, the, the physical uh, graphic reality that the Rambam is talking about. Uh, and I think that's, and he wants it more to be not about anti-sex, but about anti um, grub kite in general, anti you know involvement in, in, in physical things. Not so much the specific sex act, which the Rambam is is completely uh, against, and, he, and and as opposed to the Rambam and the Ralbag, who see it as well, you better get this act happen to you, otherwise you're just going to be involved in sex all day, and your brain is never going to think about God. Rabbeinu Yonah sees it more mystically that this somehow opens you to dvekas to God, that somehow the act of this mitzvah, and that's why he appears to Avram Avinu right away in the beginning of Parshas Vayera. It isn't so much, you know, do this to your kid. He's not going to be the, okay, he won't enjoy it. His wife won't enjoy him as well. Okay, it's going to be a little bit less exciting for them. But at least this is a way to determine that he's going to end up wanting to love Torah and, and mitzvot. He's not going to become a, he's not going to be a, a clubber. He's not going to be involved. He's not going to be at uh, Haitian Asbury Street. He's not going to be there. That's the way the Rambam and the Rabag view it. With Rabbi Leona, I think he says, God promises. We don't really know. There's some sowed behind it. But we know one thing, that our fealty to it leads to dveikas to HaKadosh Baruch that our fealty to Mila, actually, God decides to connect to us with Ruach HaKodesh. And it's also the fact that we've submitted to this means that this guarantees us having Eretz Yisrael, which is something that, despite the fact the Rambam says that's what it means to be Tamim, the Rambam does not include Eretz Yisrael at all in this, and, and neither does the Raubag. Rabbi Kivalevich, and... Um... Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.